bridge, and it is the king of the jungle. And, you know, the devil goes about roaring as a lion, but Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lion of the tribe of praise. And can you hear me? The lion roars, and in the roar... There is the sound of deliverance and the sound of freedom. And that is what Jesus does in the roar, in the roar of praise. And what, what the Lord, you want me to stop? Okay, I'm ignoring now. You're ignored, fully ignored. <laughs> I don't even see you. No. And the Lord began to minister to me that, um, that we need to... Uh, the Lord has been ministering to many of us to dig, dig our roots down deep. That we are to be like trees planted by the water where our roots go down deep so that when there's famine and drought and when the heat comes, that our roots are so deep that we have sustenance and we don't faint. And not only that, but our leaves are green and we have healing and we have that which other people can partake of in a dry and, and drought season. Amen? And uh, the Lord ministered to me that as we do that, as we dig our roots down deep, and then when the storm comes, we won't be knocked over. And what the Lord ministered to me, and I think we all know there are storms coming. There are storms coming. They come, they come and they go, they come and they go. But we're entering in a season that is, that is dark. And we're coming into a season where the enemy is, is raising his head. And, and it's a season of division, and it's been a season, there's more darkness coming. But the Lord has hope and comfort and courage for his people. And he doesn't want us to be those that faint. Amen? I want to read something about uh, a man named Timothy in the Word of God that you guys, guys all know who he is. But in the scriptures, he was underneath Paul. And Paul mentored him and discipled him, and he was a young man, and he was very timid. The scripture tells us that he was timid, and he was, uh, beca- and he was uh, young, so he had to be encouraged a lot to speak, even though you're young and other people are older than you. You speak because you have the word of the Lord, and you lead the people, and you have the gifting. And so, But in the time that the second book of Timothy was written, I think Paul was in his imprisonment the second time, and he, he knew that his days were numbered. He knew that he was going to die, and he sends this letter to Timothy, and he encourages him. And this is what he says. I'm just going to read, don't go to any scriptures. I'm going to read this commentary because I thought it was so good. He says, the purpose of the book was knowing that Timothy was timid and facing hardship and realizing the prospect of severe persecution from outside the church and false teachers from within, Paul exhorts Timothy to guard the gospel, preach the word, endure hardship, and fulfill his charge. Five major features characterize this letter. Paul emphasizes that scripture must be accurately interpreted by ministers of the word of God, and he urges the commitment of God's word to reliable men who can teach others. Uh, It is full of exhortations that occur throughout the letter. Examples are fan the flame of the gift of God, do not be ashamed, suffer for the gospel, keep the pattern of sound teaching, guard the good deposit, be strong in the grace, pass on the message, endure hardship, and be diligent in the word. Avoid, flee, pursue, beware of approaching apostasy. Does that not sound like the hour that we live in? Continue in the truth, preach the word, do the work of evangelists, and discharge all the duties of your ministry. We can put our names in here, you guys. 
We can, we can say this is a letter to us individually. The recurring themes, themes of its many exhortations are to hold fast the faith. Jesus Christ and the original apostolic gospel guard it from distortion and corruption, oppose false teachers, and preach the true gospel with unswerving perseverance. Paul's farewell testimony is a moving example of courage and hope in the face of certain martyrdom. This was in the hour that uh, Nero was, um, was uh, the emperor, and he was a wicked, wicked uh, uh, leader, and he was persecuting the Christians. I think he wasn't he the one that t- had them uh, de- on the uh, the way they had they would take the Christians and they would put their heads on spits and they would put them on fire so they would light the way. These are this is a man who was very very wicked. Paul was in prison and he's charging Timothy, who is very uh, sh- shy. I mean, who wouldn't? He, here's this man going to be martyred. And here's Timothy in this generation trying to lead people to have courage and telling them it's going to be okay. Keep the faith. Be strong. Keep preaching. Make sure you're preaching the the full truth of the gospel. And yet you might be martyred, by the way. You might be killed for it. And I know that there's people all over the world being killed for the gospel right now as we speak. We have not in this country yet partaken of that fully. There are some people that have. The the girl that was in Columbine that got shot when he said, are you Christian? She could have said no. She said yes, and he he shot her. So she was martyred for standing up for Christ. But that's going to come to this nation. And we have other forms of, of persecution. Persecution is not uncommon to, to Christians. Jesus said, if I, am the, if I am the teacher and I'm the master and I am the one that you're following, then, then you follow him. We are, we are not better than our master. He was killed and persecuted by his own people. And, and his own people sent him up to be crucified. But yet God had a plan, and the plan that God had, the devil did not know. He did not know that when he crucified the Lord of glory, he was going to produce many Christians in the earth that had the spirit of the deliverer on the inside of them. He did not know that, because if he knew that, he would not have done it. And now he has to face those Christians with the deliverer on the inside of them. Every person here has the deliverer. Moses was a deliverer. What did he do? He brought them out of bondage of Egypt, and he brought them into the promised land. Jesus was the deliverer. You have Jesus in you. I have Jesus in in me. We are the deliverers of this world. We have Christ in us. And if we do not go into those places where there is need for deliverance, we cannot deliver people out. Amen? So he wants us to stir up the gifts on the inside of us. Now let's read Second Timothy. Uh, one. That was easy. Dug through that for that. Okay. Um, let's go down to. Six, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline or a sound mind. Now, now a lot of times we take these scriptures and we separate them, but it's, conti- it's continuous. For this reason I'm reminding you to f- fan the flame. There's persecution in the land here. Fan the flame because God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. 
He was drawing back, and, and Paul is encouraging him, don't draw back, stir up the gift, fan the flame, for God has not given you a spirit of fear. Let's just look at that. Fear is a spirit, a spirit of fear. He has not given us, but he's given us power, love, and a sound mind. When Jesus went to the cross, he was crucified, and they put a crown upon his head and shoved those thorns into his scalp. He had torment of his mind. Because of that, we are healed from mental bondage. We do not have to be harassed by the devil in our minds. We can kick him out. Amen? So he wants us to stir that gift up. The only way I know how to stir the gift up Holy Jesus, that is how you stir the gift up. That is how you stir the giftings on the inside of you. It encourages you. It builds you up in your most holy faith. The book of Jude says uh, in verse 20, build up yourselves by praying in the Holy Ghost. That is how you build yourselves up. So when you're down, when you feel oppressed, when you are having times of fear, I rebuke you foul spirit, you pray until you get the victory. You pray in tongues until you get the victory. However long it takes. And I'll tell you right now, if you keep doing that, it will not take long. It will not take long. And that demon has to leave. Amen? So that's how we stir up the gift. And the Lord ministered to me that we are not to back off. We are not to back off. Hebrews 10, verse 35. He wants us to press, to press in. It's like dead quiet air in here, people. Okay. It's verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will have, I will, I will not, my scripture, my other one says, I, my soul will have no pleasure in thee. I will not be pleased with him. And so if we draw back, the Lord does not have, how many of you, you all want to please God? If we draw back and if we turn backward, his soul will have no pleasure in us. I cannot go forward like this and see where I'm going. If I'm looking back like this, I'm going to trip and I'm going to fall. I'm going to run into something. And so I have got to turn my face forward and press in to the things of the Spirit, forgetting what lies behind and pressing toward the mark of the high calling. You see, there's a high calling in every single person. And there's a mark that we are to hit, but we have to press and keep our face forward and press into it. What are we pressing against? There's resistance. The enemy comes. He doesn't want the deliverer that's in you to be uncovered. If the deliverer that's in you is uncovered, then people will be set free. They will be snatched out of his kingdom, and they will be, they will be another one of little Jesus. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't want that. He wants us to have our mouths shut. That's why people, and you know, when I went to England, maybe you can tell us, Cherry, I don't know. I, I read a thing at the, um, there was a, we were on a, like a military base, and they had a, like a stone, uh, like in a, 
on their base, they had a stone like a rock that had engraving on it, and it was a monument to the, the, the Americans that came to help uh, during World War II when we came in and, and, and kind of helped it. And, but this monument was a prayer, and, and I was very shocked. I read that and was like, we pray that the Holy Spirit protect the soldiers. We pray that God and that Jesus. I mean, it, it was just very. And, and now, Nigel, who we stayed with, it, uh, who is an uh, ambassador to, for England, he told us that people there are very quiet about their faith. They say, you know, it's to be, you, you know, we don't really share our faith. We have it here in our hearts. And we have it secretly, and they don't proclaim it. And that's, that's, that's the work of the devil. That's the work of the devil. Jesus hung on a cross openly without shame for you and me. Openly. He didn't, he didn't hide that he died on the cross. It was for the world to see. Full nakedness, full-on uh, crucifixion, hanging there in complete humility for us so that we would not have to... Uh, pay that kind of price and go to hell so we could have fellowship with the father and to say that we aren't going to open our mouth and the, and the devil comes and he tries to he tries to intimidate and he tries to just in in the presence of certain places oh don't speak oh don't say too much oh make sure you show just love 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 don't say anything that might be negative that people might not like yeah and it's a pressure that's in the earth right now. And it's a demonic pressure. And we have to stand against it. We have to disagree with it. And we have to press against it. And uh, begin to stir that gifting that's in us by praying in the spirit. Okay, so I want to go to a different, a different translation here. Because, amen. Um. I don't want to miss anything here. Okay, D- dig down deep. Oh, stretch the tent cords, prepare yourselves, and strengthen what remains. When, when you build a house, you build the house, the house is built. You live in the house. When a storm comes, like happened in, in, in the East Coast, there were warnings that were sent out. What did they do when the warnings were sent out? They battened down the hatches, right? They put up barricades. They put things on their windows so that their house would be preserved, Okay, but the house is the house. If the house wasn't built right in the first place, it's not going to stand. The time to dig deep, the time to strengthen the cords is right now, not in the midst of the storm. You can, you can batten the hatches, but it is what it is, baby, and there's, uh, that thing is coming, and if you're not ready, and if we don't have a foundation that is solid, we are going to fall. And the Lord wants us to dig our our dig ourselves deep to strengthen our cords to to push them in to do do the work of of an evangelist to be uh, like a soldier in the the army of the Lord. We are to be like soldiers. How, what does a soldier do? He prepares for the worst, right? He prepares himself. I'm going to go over to Timothy again. Second Timothy 2, 3 and 4. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ. Do not, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. If we entangle ourselves with the affairs of this life, we will, we will become deceived. The cares of the world choke out the word of God. 
If we, if we set our hope and our delight and our, uh, our strength in the things of this world and in the arm of the flesh, we cannot please the Lord. And, and, and if we're a, to be a soldier of Christ and to truly be ready, we are to not be entangled with that. We live in the world, we do our work, we go our way, we do the things that we have to do, we go to school, whatever it is, but we are not of this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are in eternity right now. If you died tomorrow, you will be in heaven. We have nothing to fear, you guys. The Holy Spirit is with us. The very Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is with us. And he says, fear hath torment, and fear hath oppression. Uh, The scripture in Isaiah 54 says, uh, you are oppressed, for, for you shall, no, oppression shall be far from you, for you shall not fear. Fear brings oppression, and worry is just another name for fear. Rehearsing worry is just fear. Fear is like a blowfish. You know what a blowfish does? The spirit of fear puffs itself up like this and makes you afraid of it. But you know what? It's afraid of you. That, that, that's its only mechanism, that blowfish. It puffs itself up and looks all scary with the little spiky doos, like on Nemo. But he's scared of us. Amen? One time, I, I remember this, to, I'll tell this, Kate, because I used to share a room with Kate, and it was really bad because I was really neat and tidy, and she wasn't. <laughs> and so we'd put tape, we'd put tape down the center there, and, and uh, don't cross that line, you know, and she'd put her toe like that, and I'd put my toe, and then we would fight. But uh, Later, when we were older, I remember, telling, I remember telling a story about a night that I used to see at the door when I was a little kid in, in the room. And it, was, and it, wouldn't, it didn't want me to move. I had, had fear. I couldn't, I couldn't get up to move. And I remember when, when this happened, and you know, the Holy Spirit teaches you things even when you don't know. And I remember within me, I said, I, that's a lie. I didn't even hardly know God. I'm going right past that thing. That's not real. And so I do it, and it would, it, it would go. But I was telling that story, and she overheard it, and she said, I saw the same thing. But she never told me. So it was a demonic visitation that was there that I didn't know she saw the same thing. She didn't know I saw the same thing. But uh, we do the opposite, and it breaks it. If the devil's telling you not to step out, you just get your little self out there and step out. If the devil's telling you you can't do something that God says you can do, you just get yourself out there and you do it. And you see that God will not meet you. Every time I have stepped out, and I've had a battle a lot of fear, every time I have stepped out, he has always, always been faithful. Always. Amen? Yes. Let's go to, <clears throat> to um, uh, 2 Chronicles 20. And while we go there, I'm going to share a scripture in Romans 8.15. You have not received a spirit of bondage again to fear. We don't have a spirit of bondage. Whatever is coming on the earth, whatever is taking place, our hope is not in men. Our hope is not in chariots and in horses. Our hope is in the word of the Lord. Our hope is in Christ. Amen? Amen. 
This is about a man named Jehoshaphat, a king. In verse, we'll start with verse uh, 2. No, let's go back to 1. And he reigned, he was a good king, and he, he reigned for, uh, I don't know how many years he reigned, what was like 30-something, like that. And uh, the, here's these people that are going to come down upon him and wreak havoc upon them. Okay, so it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, uh, from Syria, and they are in Haz- uh, Hazazon, Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Joseph fe- Je- Jehoshaphat feared. I want to stop there for a minute. In other words, there was a storm coming. And, and he had fear, okay? But Jehoshaphat did six things. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list the six things, and then we're going to go through it. Number one, he sought the Lord through fasting. Number two, he gathered others to pray and fast. Number three, he rehearsed past victories and declared God's faithfulness. Number four, he confessed his utter helplessness. Number five, he obeyed the Holy Spirit and he worshiped. And number six, he gave thanks to the Lord. So let's go back to verse 3. Jehoshaphat feared. Fear is common to man. The the reaction to fear, if you let yourself go, is to flee. Jehoshaphat Jehoshaphat knew that a storm was coming. He knew it was greater than him, and he feared. But this is what he did. He set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. He set himself to seek God. Uh, Verse 4, so Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. So number one, he sought the Lord, and and number two, they asked help. He asked help. He gathered the people, and he asked them to come and fast, and they asked help of the Lord. So first he prayed, then he asked help, and a lot of times we get that backwards. We get afraid, and we, instead of going to God first, we go to people. And we say, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? Oh, I have this fear. And we rehearse the fear. We rehearse the things that are wrong. Instead, we need to first be like Jehoshaphat and go to our knees and seek the Lord in prayer. And if, if we have to, to seek the Lord in fasting if it doesn't break. Amen? Number two, he gathered people, and, he, and then he asked for people to pray. Verse 6. And said, O Lord of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God, who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and gave it to the descendants of Abraham forever, for your friend forever? So that's number three. He rehearsed the victories and the, and the character of God. He rehearsed who God was in his life. And he rehearsed who God was in the life of Israel. Yes. And as he rehearsed that, it's the same as what David did in the Psalms. He rehearsed God's goodness. He rehearsed his victories. This is who God is. So when that blowfish blows up like this and you begin to rehearse the victories and the things God's done for you, you start blowing up like this. Bigger. 
And that, that spirit of fear begins to shrink because you begin to remind you, oh, this is the God who brought those Israelites out of Egypt. This is the God that had the plagues hit them all. This is the God where they were in Goshen and they were safe. There is a place for God's people that's full of safety. We do not have to fear. There is comfort for us who are seeking God with all of our hearts, you guys. We do not have to fear. We are the hope of the world. Okay. Verse 8. And they dwell in it and have built... Oh, wait. And they dwell in it and have built your sanctu- you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and you will save. He cannot do anything but save. It's his character. He is the deliverer. He says, if, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's not just salvation, salvation. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered, saved from whatever they need to be saved from. Amen? So if I'm, if I'm a Christian, I'm already saved. But if I need help, I cry out to him. He sets me free in whatever situation I'm in. And he says to us to come boldly before the throne of grace that you might receive help and grace in time of need. We have the confidence and the authority given to us by Jesus to be able to go before the throne, the very throne of God. I mean, that's not just a, a, a symbolic thing, you guys. That is real. We can go before the throne of God and say, God, I need help. I need grace. I need mercy. I have need, and he will give it and grant it unto us. And this is what they did. Verse 10, And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade. When they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. In other words, there was a time when these people were given mercy, and the Israelites did not destroy them. God gave them mercy, and they turned. And here they're repaying them evil for goodness. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. The inheritance is threatened. Our inheritance is in Christ. And there is something the devil wants when he comes and he puts pressure. There's always something he wants. And I believe that he wants us to to not trust God. He wants to feed fear, doubt, and unbelief. It's the same as what he did with Eve. He put a question in her head. If God, if God, doesn't this look good? He tempted her in her five senses. Doesn't it look good to taste? If God really was this way, he just doesn't want you to know what he knows. And he begins to start questioning and putting these little questions in your head. Well, if God was with me, you know, what if? What if I can't pay that bill? And, oh, what will happen if, if, if this happens? And what will happen if my, I'll lose my power or I'll lose my car? If, if, if. Instead of, and what he wants is for you to turn from the Lord. He wants to steal our faith in God. My kids trust that their dinner's going to be on the table. They trust that they're going to have a place to lay their head. They trust their shelter over their head. 
They trust that even if we were in a place of danger, that we would protect them. They don't even think about it because they know us. And the more we get to know him, the more his love is infused in us and perfect love casts out all fear. So we know how much he loves us, that if we die today, we are in the presence of the Lord. Amen? Just don't pull my toenails out. That's all I care about. (laughs) Okay. So their inheritance was threatened, and we have been given inheritance, and that's what the devil tries to come to threaten is our inheritance so that we don't possess the land in which we dwell. We don't possess those things that we have authority over so that we don't then walk in them. Verse 12 is number four. Confess their helplessness, helplessness in humility. He says, O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And in humility, he's the king here. He says, we can't, we can't defeat this. We can't, we're helpless. And he, he makes himself fall upon the mercy of God. And, and, and it takes great humility to do that because we could try in our own strength, and most of the time we do for a season, and then we realize we can't do it. God, I need you. And when we get to that point is when God really can come in and move. And that's where I put in Psalm 20. I don't know if nobody's taking notes. Okay. Psalm 20, verse 7. <laughs> some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will trust in the word of the Lord. And it's like, it's, like, it's like this election. A lot of people had their hope in a man to, to deliver our nation. But our hope has to be in God. Some trust in, we're trusting in Mitt Romney, and some are still trusting in Obama. But I will trust in the word of the Lord, my God. Because he has a plan that is far greater than anything that we can see. And our ways are not his ways. But as we get into the presence of the Lord and we spend time with him, he tells you the secrets that are coming. He tells you of the things that lie ahead so that we can prepare, so that we can have the word of the Lord for those that are afraid, for those that don't know what's happening and they're losing their job and they're having no health care or they're having this problem or they're having that problem. We are to be need meters. You see a need, you meet the need, whether it's with prayer or, or giving something that you have that you can share. Um, where am I? Now all of Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. And then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all of you, you, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. This is a prophet prophecy. This is a prophet, somebody speaking a prophet, a word of the Lord. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but it is the Lord's. And there's an affair. There's something very important that we need to understand here in this verse. It looked like the battle was theirs. But because they sought God and trusted him, the battle became God's battle. 
You see, a lot of times we have this warfare, we have these battles that we fight, and we fight them in our own flesh. But until we give them to God, he won't, he, then he takes it as his. But we got to give it to him. We cannot fight things in our own flesh. That's where the devil wants to keep us, in that arena where he can win. That's where he can win. He doesn't understand, he doesn't understand that our, well, he does understand. Sometimes we don't understand that our warfare is in the heavenlies. And we sometimes try to box down here, and, and people irritate us and get us mad, and we just want to go bang, 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 and hit them back. In the natural, but our warfare is in the spirit because there's demonic strongholds, there's principalities of darkness, there's rulers in wicked places that are that are they're manipulating this world, this this world system. It is of the devil. And we are here so that we can be enforcers of what God has already done. And there are souls in the balance. Amen? That is what we're fighting for, the souls that are in the balance. Um, Okay, so he prophesied to him, the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's. Um, Where am I? Do not be afraid or dismayed. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook where the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Isn't that awesome? Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. And that reminds me of Ephesians 6.13. Having done all to stand, uh, you stand. You know, you stand. I've heard a lot of teachings on the different things of the armor, and there was a season where people were saying, once you get up in the morning, you just put the helmet on, and you you can't. It's spiritual. The helmet of salvation is knowing that you are saved. It's a, it's a revelation and an understanding that you have salvation. That's your helmet. It covers your ears. I belong to God. You know, you have a breastplate of righteousness that covers your emotions. And this place right here where the enemy tries to shoot arrows to put, to put offenses and to put worry and to put just uh, a thing, uh, thorns so that you can't function. That's where your breastplate is. My feet ha- are shod with the preparation of, of peace, the gospel of peace. My feet are blessed because I bring the good news. And I have the word of God, which is my sword. If I am in a battle and I'm just shooting in the air, I'm not going to hit anything. So if you're in a battle, you've got to have the word of God. What is the chapter, the verse that God is giving you to fight with? And usually when you're in a battle, for me, I'll have one scripture come to my mind, and I'll fight with that thing is my sword, man, that one verse that I can fight with where the enemy's coming to try to tell me something other contrary to God's word. I have my sword of the Spirit. Stand still. When you've done all and you don't know what else to do, you stand. It's not a wimpy stand like this. It's a stand of I am sure and I am strong and, and who I know I am. I will not be moved because I know God is with me. And the battle isn't mine. It's his. Now look what happens. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go up against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head and his face to the ground, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. 
they worshipped him. And then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord of Israel with voices loud and high. They didn't hold back. They didn't get shy. They weren't ashamed. They were loud with their voices. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets, and you shall prosper. Why? Because the prophets sort of give direction. And they, give, uh, they bring warning. And when he, has, when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, and who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army and they were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And this is so upside down of what they should have done. It isn't even funny. They went out into the heat of this battle with people that were praising and singing. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. When we worship God and we praise him, he comes and he dwells in our presence. His presence descends down. That's what happened when we were worshiping here. And he brings peace and he brings a cleansing and he brings a refreshing. And so when we, they, they sent the praisers out first, which was very backward. And yet look what happens. Because things of God, I mean, let's just be serious. That he uses the foolish things to confound the wise. If we're not willing to do something that's foolish in the eyes of the world, we'll never, ever step out. We won't. We have to be willing to look like dummies in the eyes of this world in order to be used of God, be willing to be used of God. Verse 22, now when they began to sing and to praise the Lord and to praise The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. So they went forth in praise and worship, declaring God's beauty. Ambushes were set, and they were defeated. They stood still, and they got to see the salvation of their God in that battle. And that's what the Lord wants us to see. He wants to show himself strong. For us in our battle, he wants to reveal his glory, his power, and his majesty of who he is for us in our own battles. And he wants us to be stirred up and to stir ourselves up in, his, in, our, in our, our inner man and uh, not to draw back but to press and press into the things of God even harder than you did yesterday. Harder than you did yesterday. And like, like I was sharing before, the days are evil, there's storms coming, but God is with us, and he wants us to know to have courage. Amen?